Once again, we're glad that you are here. How many are excited for the word today? Amen. Let's be excited. Um, first uh, scripture is found in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It is in the Version app. For those of you uh, that are interested in the outline. So this is entitled A Generational Mentality. A Generational Mentality. We are here uh, because someone poured Jesus into us. Someone shared Jesus with us, should I say. And I feel responsible to be able to share Jesus with the future generations. Amen. It is not just about us, but it is about building a church, building a generation that lasts in Jesus' name. So Jeremiah chapter 6, I shared this last week. Um, this is what the Lord says. He's, this is a prophet talking. He says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And I believe we are at a crossroad moment in our, in our world, in our lives, that we should be able to stand and say, what is the ancient path? There are some things that never go out of style. Amen. Jesus does not go out of style. Uh, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and then you will find rest for your souls. I believe this is something that is so important and that resonates with us because in a world that lives um, on the edge, it, it is important for us to know that there is a promise from God for us to have rest for our souls, and it is found in him. The second verse is in Psalms uh, 78. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children. No, we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. It's all about him. So the next generation might know them. Even the children, watch how awesome this is. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. Amen. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Amen. As we jump into this, there are a few things that I want to just share before uh, we get into uh, the meat of the message. We are a, a dynamic generation. So when we look at a generational mentality, we have to understand what we're dealing with. It's just like when you go uh, to the doctor and you are facing something, it is important for the doctor to give you a correct prognosis or diagnosis, should I say, and then be able to share that prognosis for you to be able to know where you're at. So for us to be able to unpack this and for us to be able to understand the type of challenges that lie ahead, we have to understand the world that we live in. And the first is that we are a dynamic generation. Now, I, I used to think a long time ago that dynamic meant, man, you're fiery. You're, you're, and while that is one of uh, the ways that this word could be used, I would like to reference it when you look at what the word dynamic means, that it isn't when used as an adjective. It is characterized by constant change, by constant change, change that is just occurring all the time. So it sounds like a, a lot like the world that we live in. It sounds like a lot like the world that we live in, in a world a, of constant change, in a world where there is so many things that vary and there are so many things that just move. It is important for us to have a constant, and I'm glad that Jesus is our constant. We, and, and in turn, we have to be a people. We have to be a church. We have to be a people who provide stability 
to the next generations. What does that look like? I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at that. We have to provide that we would live our lives in such a way that it impacts, that the impact outlives us. That we would live a life that is led in such a way that the impact that is felt outlives us. Amen. That people would be able to know Jesus, that our families would be able to know Jesus because of the type of life that we live. So it allows us to be able to just kind of reflect and to be able to conduct a self-assessment and say, where am I? Where am I? And I want to tell you that maybe we have not been the best example to our children. Maybe we have not been the best example to our brothers and our sisters. But I want to tell you, you can change right now. You can make a decision today to be able to change and change the trajectory, change the course of the life that you, live, you have lived, change some things in your family by the way you carry yourself from this moment moving forward. So regardless, I understand that there are some residual uh, things that we will uh, be able to harvest or be able to reap from some bad decisions that we may have made, but I want you to know that you can change what you are reaping if you change what you're sowing. You can change what you're reaping if you change what you're sowing today. So when we look at God, he, he identifies himself in Scripture as a generational God, not as a God that was just intended for a group of people, a specific people in a specific time, but we understand that he is a generational God. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 15 tells us, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So this is Moses when he is receiving the instructions from God to go into Egypt. But he identifies, God identifies himself when he shows up to, to Moses. And he said, Moses, I'm not only your God, but I want you to know I was Abraham's God. And I was Isaac's God. And I was Jacob's God. But I'm your God also. God introduced himself. So what does this mean when, when we understand the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? It's one of the most, uh, one of the things that we grew up maybe hearing uh, commonly, God introduced himself to Abraham back when he was just Abram, and, and God shows up in the life of this uh, incredible man, and he changed his name. While Abram meant father, he said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, where you will be the father of many. And because he changed his name in that moment, he changed his destiny. I I'm so glad that God still changes destinies today. I'm so glad that he still changes destinies, that, that while you may have been going through something right now, that God can change your name. He can change your destiny. He can change your marriage. He can change your family. He can change your business. He can change your career. He can do it all. There is no part in our lives where he will not go. He can change. You may be headed down one path, but he can reroute, amen, your future with greatness today if you will just embrace it. And because Abraham believed God, and the Bible says it was counted to him for righteousness, it was not that he was righteous, but God counted it as righteousness. And he was labeled a friend of God. And because he lived a life that just exemplified faith and exemplified who God was, his son Isaac 
then got to know God. He, he was able to familiarize himself because he saw the example in his father. And because, he, and because Isaac saw that, when it was Isaac's turn to be a dad, then came along Jacob. And Jacob met God also. And it is incredible to know that he was not just the, the, the God of my grandfather. No, he was not just the God of my father. No, he's my God, but you're my God also. That, that was the experience that Abraham had. That was the experience that Isaac had. And that was the experience that Jacob had. They got to know God for themselves. And can I tell you, that is God's will for our lives. That, that you may have uh, be, be fourth or fifth generation, or you may be the first generation, wherever you are at, that you would be able to continue and pass the torch, amen, to somebody else in your family and say, I want you to know God the way I've known God. I want you to know his goodness the way I know his goodness. I want you to know his faithfulness the way I know him. I, I told one of our small groups during the week that we will go through stuff in life, regardless if you serve God or not, why wouldn't you want to hold on to God's unchanging hand in the midst of everything, in the midst of the world that we live in, in the midst of the chaos that we face? I need to hold on to the stable God that, that never changes. In him, there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. I need God. I need God. So Abraham knew him. Isaac knew him, and then Jacob knew him. So it is important for us to understand that three different generations that are outlined here, we are a, dy a dynamic generation, a, a, a constantly changing generation. But also, it's important for us to know that we are a diverse generation. So not only are we dynamic and changing, but we are a diverse generation. We have five generations living in the same house in a three-bedroom house, and while there are countless things that we don't have in common, that while we see things, regardless of where you fall in this spectrum, that we would have some values as people of God, that when we come together, that we would understand there are some common values that our faith would be the same, that our beliefs would, would be founded on the same God, but yet we're vastly different. In many ways, in many ways. So let's look at a few of those that are outlined for you in the, the YouVersion app. There's, you have the silent generation, then you have the, the baby boomers, and then you have Generation X. And when you look at their, when you look at their lives, uh, they, they could be commonly, this is just a general uh, common statement. It doesn't mean that it's everybody. It's a slower-paced life. It's, when you look at faith, there's some shared values amongst this generation. When you look at trust, there's a high level of trust. You remember when the handshake was good enough to make a deal? Now, now we need to sign contracts and you have to read the fine print. There was a high level of trust. There was just some things have changed. When you look at the morality, you, you, we had some high moral standards that have diminished as time has gone by. So then you see the, the millennials, and then you have Generation Z, and we're just glad that they're in church today. But for them, life is frantic. For them, the faith is at the margins. 
So, some don't understand what they believe or why they believe. When we look at trust, it's broken because they, they have been part of this society. And they, they have been part of this world. And when we look at morality, there's moral tolerance that was not present in past generations. So you have all these different types of people. So you have the silent, you have the baby boomers, you have Generation X, you have the millennials, and then you have Generation Z. We, but look at, while we look at all the things that are different, let's also look at the possibilities that this presents. We have, five, we have the possibility of five generations knowing the same God. We have the possibility of five generations knowing the same God. So we are a dynamic generation. We are a diverse generation. And then we are also a disconnected generation. What does that mean? In Judges chapter 17 verse 6, we, we look at an example of this. In those days, the Bible tells us that Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. There was no, there was no, uh, comp there was no moral compass. There was no uh, judgment of what's right or wrong. Nope, there was no direction, no sense of purpose. It was just everyone do, do whatever you want to do. Everyone did what they saw fit. It's whatever you want. And, and it kind of sounds like the world we live in today because the enemy wants to distort God's plan of what a family is. The enemy wants to distort God's plan and his purpose for our lives by making us wander with no goal, with no sense of direction, with no purpose. But let there be a change that happens with us. Let there be a change that happens with us. Let us together collectively as a church make up our minds and say we will not be a people that go without purpose or without any direction. No, we will live our lives founded on the principles of God's word. Let there be change that happens with us. Let there be a generation that says, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, I don't know what you're going to do and I don't know what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will live according to God's word and what he has established. I included this in there. Check out what Margaret Mead said. Throughout human history and all cultures, parents and grandparents have helped their young understand life and future. However, I anticipate that a time is coming where technology, God help us, and culture, God help us, changes so fast that for the first time in human history, children will have to figure out for themselves what their values will be. God help us. God help us. So we, how, do we, how do we combat this? How do we face the fact that we are living in a dynamic, in a diverse generation? How do we combat this? We have to have a generational mentality. We have to have a generational mentality. So let's look at what that means in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he outlines this. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So in other words, what I have received, uh, I want to share it with you. What I have received is too good for me to contain. What I have received is too good for me to keep to myself. What I have received, I have to pass it on to you. I want to share it with you. The book of Joshua, it shares an incredible 
encouraging story that I'd just like to highlight this morning, that God's people had a promise. Maybe you've heard the story uh, that, that there was a land that flowed with milk and honey. And we are certain to see that what is taking place in the book of Joshua, the underlying struggle that is taking place in this book is, is not as much a physical one as it is a spiritual one, kind of like what we're facing here today. They, while we see a visible battle evolving, while they did have swords and while they did have spears and while they did have all this, while there was all this conflict that took place, the real conflict in the book of Joshua was not with the Canaanite people, no, but it was with our, the enemy of our soul. It was with Satan. When we look at what Canaan was, it was prime real estate property. You've heard the, the phrase location, location, location. This, what was, this is what Canaan was. It was connected. It connected Africa and Europe and it accessed the Mediterranean Sea. It was marked by fertile fields and valleys. And most important, it was God's gift to his people. It was God's gift to Israel. So nearly seven centuries, uh, what, what had taken place, God told, earlier, God told Abraham seven centuries earlier, to your descendants, I will give this land. God had set this land apart. God had selected this land for his people. And through this, his people would be a blessing to the whole world. God promised Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. The Hebrews were the people that God would use to be able to, to bless the entire world, to carry his covenant to the world. Israel would be the fact and how the redemption story would be written. Check this out. But the enemy's plan was to stop what God wanted to do. That's what he wants for our lives today. He wants to put a halt. He wants to put a stop to what God wants to do in our lives. So when Joshua took command, they began to make strides to live in the promise that God had for them after wandering in the wilderness. And soon they were at the Jordan River. So fast forward. And this was the moment they had been waiting for. How many times had they just gazed across the Jordan and looked at what Canaan was and, and said, could it really be that God has that in store for us? Some of them, like Joshua and Caleb, had been waiting for this for one whole generation. So what happened is when God opened the waters of the Jordan River, they didn't ask, they didn't, they didn't hesitate, they didn't wonder, nope, they hurried across with a shout. But before they invaded the land, God had one more word for them. And this is what I want to share. He brought the invasion to a halt. And there was two commands that were given as he prepared the Hebrews for the promised land. So imagine with me, God is doing this incredible work in their lives. And here they are at a stopping point. In Joshua chapter 4, we find the following. When the whole nation was finally across, God spoke to Joshua, select 12 men from the people, a man from each tribe, and tell them from right here, the middle of the Jordan, where the feet of the priests are standing firm, take 12 stones and carry them across with you and set them down in the place where you camp tonight. So uh, imagine this with me. The Jordan River is parted and Joshua commanded a dozen men, one from each tribe, to go and just select a stone, any stone. It didn't matter. But when you, when you get that, return 
to the riverbed. And from that very area where the priest had stood, from where the priest stood, they took those rocks. And as the people watched, as this story is just unraveling before them, they, they, they saw them just taking these stones and maybe not understanding what, what is really taking place. What's the connection? But the, but the Bible tells us that they stacked the stones. Joshua stacked the stones. And when the 12th stone was finally in its place, Joshua turned to the people and he urged them. And he says, in the days to come, when your children ask their fathers, what are these stones doing here? This is what he says, tell your children this, that Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry ground. Yes, God, your God, he dried up the Jordan waters for you until you had crossed just as God did at the Red Sea, which he had dried up before until we had crossed. Can I tell you, as we stop, we have to remember the faithfulness of God. As we stop, what these stones meant was a sign of God's power in their lives. It was a sign that we have not made it to this point on our own that when your children say hey what do those stones mean what what why are they just there are they just a decor absolutely not they signify that the god that we serve he not opened he not only opened up the red sea for moses but he also opened up the jordan river for us and his promises are yes and his promises are amen that we serve a god that is faithful to his promise that we serve a God that in a world that changes and in a world where no one can keep their word we serve a God that is faithful to his word if he says it he will do it he is not a man that he should lie and he is not the son of man that he should repent if he says that he's gonna do it and if he speaks it, he will make it good so as we come to this crossroad impact city church in this generation in this time that we are living we have to be sure that we remember the faithfulness of God and that we mark his 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 power in our lives so that the new generations coming up can know the power of the God that we serve so that they can know that he is a God that is a promise keeper and a company keeper that we would know who he is we have to remember we have to remember and we have to share we have to remember what he has done we have to record his accomplishments in our memory in other words what he was telling them capture this crossing capture this moment in your mind and when you face a struggle in the future you have to come back to this moment and know that God can make a way where there is no way as you look ahead to what God has in store for you that you would remember this moment so when your children ask you can tell them about the God who did the impossible for you so that when your children ask you can tell them that there is a God that can open up the Red Sea so that when your children ask you can
can tell them that there is a God that when all the priests went through the Jordan and every single one of them had their feet in there that the waters rolled back, that you would tell them that there is a God that can make water come out of the rock and there is a God that can make manna fall from heaven. How many know he's a provider? That, that they could know that there is a God that saved me from my addiction and there is a God that saved me from my poor habits and there is a God that healed my marriage and there is a God that restored our family long before you came here there was a God who stepped in when all the walls were caving in there was a, a God that put me back together that held me that we would sing of his goodness amen from generation to generation that we would not keep it to ourselves that we will not hide these truths from our children no we will tell the next generation and the generation after that that if God tarries long after we're gone that they'll still be able to serve God and know God because of the stones that we put in place because of the lives that we've lived that we will tell these generations so they may know God even those that are not yet born even those that we will not get to meet, but that they would know God and that they would set their hope on him just as we have today. So don't forget one single thing that God has done for you. Let us not forget, let's create a trophy room in our hearts of the faithfulness of God that every time that we experience a victory that we would be able to create a moment to be able to share and say, we serve a God that we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. That before you fa face any challenge in your life, that you would take a quick tour of God's accomplishments and that you would be able to see everything. Look at all the paychecks that he's provided, all the blessings that he has given, all the prayers that he has answered, that we would constantly reflect on his goodness. Before David fought Goliath, he remembered that God helped him kill a lion and he helped him kill a bear. We can face the future by revisiting the past and knowing that God is faithful. And we have to make sure the next generation knows that while the challenges may be different, it was a lion on one instance, it was a bear on another instance, and now it's a nine-foot giant on another, but it's the same God. That while challenges are different, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he is the same forever. Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy. He said, 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people will be qualified to teach others. Someone has to take the torch. Someone has to take the torch. So as we become a generational mentality church, as we become a church that builds for the future, there are two important things. So how do we do this? How do we do this? We personally receive from God. 
and then we intentionally pass on to others. We personally receive from God, what has God done for you? Because your story is different, but I promise you, your story is incredible. Because the fact that some of us are here alive and breathing today is a miracle in and of itself. And it is a sign of God's power at work in our lives. So I receive it, but I pass it on to others. Hey, you got to know God the way I know him. You have to know him the way I know him. We, in, we make an intentional effort to be able to pass it on to others. So what's important here is that you need to know this, that you belong. We belong. We belong. Don't let anyone tell you different. You belong. Psalm 68 and 6 says this. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. God sets the lonely in families. You're here with a purpose. You're here by God's design. Join a small group. Get connected. Join the dream team. There is room for you. You belong here. And the last thing is that we matter. We matter. You have value. The worship team will join me. You have value. Tell that to yourself. When the enemy comes and tries to question your identity, you have value. After Jesus is tempted, when Jesus is, should I say, is tempted in the wilderness, the enemy came to tempt him and question his identity. He is still after the same for you and I today. He is trying to question our identity, but it is time that we respond. It is written. It is written. You are bought with a price. You matter. Paul told the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he said, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So not only am I God's masterpiece for the sake of breathing and for the sake of living. No, he created us in you in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. So that I can serve him, that I could serve people. A generational mentality is as we personally receive from God. And we intentionally give to others. That people would come to know Jesus through our lives that we would be able to impact this world because of the work of Jesus in our lives, that he would be glorified. Father, we ask you today that you would allow us to live a life that transcends generations. That you would allow us to live a life that makes an impact for years to come. That you would allow us to live a life that can influence for your glory. 
and that you would be lifted up. For any that are struggling in this place, that your grace, that your power, that your spirit would meet them right where they're at. That you would allow us to make intentional choices from this day forward that would have a long-lasting effect. Renew us. Restore us. Change us. And empower us. Empower us to live the life that you have called us to live. I thank you for our children serving you. I thank you for our grandchildren serving you. I thank you in advance for our great-grandchildren serving you. God, and I thank you if you dare for our great-great-grandchildren serving you. That they would know you the way you know, the way we know you. Let us be generational people. And they can make a difference in the lives of others. And God, today I'm thankful for new opportunities. I'm thankful today for giving us the privilege to be able to change some things. I'm thankful for a, a new opportunity. God, I'm thankful for the parable that you remind us of that there are, if there are 100 sheep and one goes away that the good shepherd goes after the one and there may be one today who recognizes that the spirit of God is chasing you he's coming after you in this building and online some of you that in this place you know that you're not in a relationship with Jesus but you're being drawn to him in this moment. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God that's loving you towards him, that's pulling you towards him. What do you need to know? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But because of the grace of Jesus, because he is perfect, because he shed his blood, because he died, and because he rose again, anyone who calls on his name would be forgiven. There are those of you right now, you're the one. You're the one that God is chasing. He's coming after you. He wants you to say yes to him. You feel far from him. You don't know where you stand with him. You feel guilty of your sin. But I can tell you that when you call on the name of Jesus, he hears your prayers. He forgives your sins. And you're here today because you're about to become brand new. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, those who say yes, I need his grace. I'm not in a relationship with Jesus, but today I'm turning away from my old life and I'm turning towards Jesus. Today you make that commitment and you say, Jesus, I give my life to you. If that is your prayer, I wanna invite you to lift your hand. Lift your hand high and say yes. Just lift them, say yes, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my life. Online, just type it in the chat. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And I would love for all of you to pray this prayer together with me. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. 
Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. Thank you for new life. You have mine. In Jesus' name, amen. The angels in heaven rejoice, and the people of God rejoice. Could we all thank God and welcome those born today into God's family? Could you stand to your feet and just give God praise one more time? We glorify you in this place.